And now, coming to you live from our coast-to-coast trading desk, this is The Flagship Pod, a weekly live podcast recorded in front of a live Discord audience where we discuss the economy, the market, and all the various market forces shaping the world around you. As always, my name is Peter Starr, bringing you this time kind of a uh, grab bag episode. There's a lot of noise in the economy right now, and not a lot of signal. We're kind of seeing the same patterns, you know, go in and out and in and out, week over week over week over week. The market is up, the market is down, the market is up, the market is down, inflationary pressure is up, but we're finally seeing, you know, macro responses to inflation. We're beginning to parse what that means for growth in our economy moving forward. So expect a lot of volatility, but, you know, we have to find some noise in that signal. And so to do that with me, ladies and gentlemen, as always, I'm joined by CEO and co-founder of Moby.co, Justin Kramer, our chief analyst here, the financial perspective that has guided so many people through this kind of wild period. One of the first people to call the downturn coming like literally in September. Um, Justin, man, it's great to have you. Uh, great to have you back. What's good, man? Uh, where in the world are you now? Like you've been bouncing all over getting a fundraise going. Uh, yeah, I'm in, uh, in New York currently, um, but I'm good, man. It's uh, me and you talk uh, once a week here. It's it's always good catching up and, and really settling down and articulating a lot of uh, what, what us and the team are really thinking about. Exactly. Yeah, because there is there is just so much too. It's really it's really an an awesome time to be in the kind of business you and I are in. You know, trying to understand the market because there is just so much information out there. I mean, it was so easy being in this business in 2020. Air quotes easy. A, we had a lot of spare time. B, uh, the market just got shoved full of capital and just made things. You know, trend line go up. So follow you know the bigger trends. Now every trend is going in every direction. As we're watching commodity prices wa- rise, we're watching OPEC refuse to pick up the phone, uh, and oil prices are going to probably stay up because of that. Um, as supply chain crunches kind of hit uh, the whole world. We're going to be talking a little bit about a lot of those commodities. We've talked a lot about metals uh, in the past, but I'm also going to bring up things like nitrogen and phosphorus and how India is going to potentially save the world with their wheat reserves. We'll get into that later. Either way, Justin, I guess the main thing is, you know, we're finally seeing the U.S. uh, uh, response to inflation right now. So kind of take me through how the market's kind of processing. You know, we're seeing 25 basis points being taken pretty well. We didn't cause a recession outright. That's sick. But now we're seeing Jerome Palbis who's saying, hey, inflation's super serious. Uh, and now the big rumblings are 50 basis points, you know, sometime April and May. So how does the market kind of respond to as we begin accelerating our, our, our rates increasing process? Is this something that's going to, you know, finally freak out the market? Or is this kind of stuff already priced in? Are we just having an adult response to our current situation? Yeah, so Jim uh, Bullard, who is the president of the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis, um, during the last interest rate hike, everyone said 25 basis points would be fine. He came out. He was actually the only one who said um, that he wanted to do a 50 basis point hike. So the fact that Jerome Powell and the rest of the Fed potentially now are saying that just goes to show you he potentially was right all along. They moved. Granted, they're going to move again, um, but I don't think the first move was big enough. However. Um, what was good was the market took in stride ever since the, the rate got more real last week into this week, uh, markets have moved up, I believe six or seven days at 10. Um, and so things look to have found some sort of footing for the meantime. Um, the Ukraine, Russia stuff can escalate, de-escalate at any time. So it's hard to make a solid prediction in there. Uh, but from an interest rate perspective, um, curbing inflation, the market really took it in stride and thinks the Fed is going to start doing everything in its power to start peeling back inflation and ultimately help the market. So I think it's net positive in the in the long run, um, definitely moving in the right direction in the short term. Um, I, I'm very hesitant to say we're out of the clear by any means, but um, this is definitely a step in the right direction. We'll see 
uh, how volatility moves, but I would imagine, uh, based on what we've seen so far of historical numbers, that uh, we're likely to see some some drawbacks as well. Yeah, it's going to be really hard to call peak inflation, especially with just how aggressive it's been, even with in, with rates going up. So the CPI next month is going to be one for the ages, so to speak. Um, but it is really awesome seeing that, like, even talking about something as, as immense as a 50 basis points rise after a 25 basis points rise... Um, People, when we talk about that, we don't see the market, you know, have an absolute panic attack about it. We just see the regular volatility as more and more information about this very, very fast situation comes out. Market was down yesterday. Market is up today. It's one of those things where you just kind of have to ride the wave and see if you can't parse out bigger trends from individual movements. But audience, real fast, I want to give you some quick inside baseball on who you're getting your information from. I want to make sure you understand the depths of financial nerdery here. Uh, when Jerome Powell came out and said we're probably going to be doing 50 basis points, Justin literally said to the team, oh yes, my favorite regional Fed chair was right. Um, the You just heard him mention that the St. Louis uh, Fed chair is the person who initially recommended 50 basis points and it's cool that like the market is responding to that. What I love is is that uh, I come to Moby from more of the journalistic perspective so I have like n- normal favorite things. I have a favorite sports team, favorite media franchise, whatever. Justin Kramer, our chief analyst here, has a favorite regional Fed chair so I just want you to know the depths of financial nerdery that you're getting your information from. Um, I just gotta call you out on that justin i think that's fucking spectacular honestly yeah no it's fair it's a fair call <laughs> i mean i will say that did not come out of random i don't spend my my days looking at fed chairmen and their background who are like the best there was like at uh when i was at morgan stanley we had like a whole economics team and whatever that fed chairman would say we'd closely analyze what he said and we, we t- quickly realized that the st louis fed is uh step above some of the other regional chairs <laughs> but it's uh it's a very fair call out one day, one day when we have the bandwidth and we're starting to do like two to three podcasts a week, I want you to give me a whole history of like why you like uh, the St. Louis Fed chair. But for now, we only have 30 yeah, minutes for, yeah, um, <laughs> I, wa- I want that deep dive. I want it badly. I know our audience does too, because that is, that is some, we're getting really deep into the woods of the, of nerdery here, but let's get back into just kind of getting that overall perspective. Unfortunately, we don't even have bandwidth for a weekly podcast. I'm amazed we even have time to do this one. Honestly, um, we are a very small team managing uh, six channels and it's it's pandemonium here audience but getting back into what is ultimately kind of a wild economy so again it's all about finding signal and noise and for me that's about making predictions and seeing those predictions are right and so one major prediction that we made looking at the data coming out of uh, the end of 2021 and into 2022 audience was we were excited to we were interested to see how retail would be affected as finally people's savings began to dry up a little bit after all the stimulus that retail got from 2020 into 2021 people got huge stimulus checks a lot of people just kind of held on to that and have been using that to, you know, make more retail purchases. So despite supply chain issues, despite all sorts of downturns, retail has stayed pretty strong. And so for me, I've been waiting for that moment where the savings run out, so to speak, and we start seeing, uh, you know, at least maybe a contagion event in retail, or at least the beginnings of like uh, money drying up and people not doing as much discretionary spending, especially in an inflationary environment. And for me, my big prediction was going to be Nike. I thought, okay, we're going to watch the Nike earnings call on Monday. We're going to see revenue go down a little bit and that's going to start this little snowball effect where retail is going to get hammered and Nike earnings call comes out 
no such thing, audience. Uh, Nike actually beat uh, beat expectations on revenue, and so we're still not really seeing that. So it's just we have created the most effective economic engine of all time, and that is the American people. Give us a little bit of money, and we will do a lot of spend. So Justin, as you kind of look at that, like um, as you sort of begin going through all the earnings calls on the back half of uh, Q1 here, we are like two weeks away from Q2. As we look at that, these these last little earnings calls, mostly from the retail sector, is there anything you're seeing in terms of um, like other trends that can give us a little bit of signal as we begin to understand what's happening or is it still kind of business as usual volatility people are still spending um kind of stay the course type situation yeah no we've definitely seen a pullback in retail sales we said this in october november our predictions for 2022 um if you haven't seen it whether you're paying member free member we publish it for everyone to see so definitely go to the site check out what we think is going to happen or what we thought was going to happen in october now for the rest of the year we're only three months in so far so good um, but there's obviously a lot of 2022 left to go. Um, so yeah, so basically in that, we called out that retail sales was growing faster than um, the growth in income. So you think about it, you make more, you spend more. It's it's pretty logical. Um, but over the last 50 years, that's maintained a relatively constant relationship. But in the last year or two, it started deviating where people were spending a lot more than they were making in terms of growth. Uh, reason being, People were home during the pandemic. They did absolutely nothing. They were trading, investing, getting stimulus checks, whatever it is. Um, world started reopening. And so all that pent up savings, they were able to drive into goods that they normally didn't buy, like clothing and restaurants and movie tickets and, and all the things that just didn't happen during the pandemic. So we saw a massive spike that was sustained for a, a decent period of time. Um, so our prediction for this year was going to be that retail sales was going to pull back um, and that the ability for this large spike in demand would just continue to continue to start like not sputtering per se, but start fizzling out and go back in line with income growth. Um, and so what we've seen so far is that start to happen. Um, so a lot of retail stocks um, started to really peel back in Q1. Uh, Nike is an exception because they're Nike. I mean, they're just a beast of a company. Um, it's been that way ever since they were founded. Um, if you haven't read the book, Shoe Dog, definitely check it out. It's about Phil Knight, the founder. He, he's just built an amazing company. And so it's no surprise the, the demand there is still strong, even with reopening into athletics specifically, it makes sense that demand would keep up. So Nike is an exception. Lululemon's reporting later this week. I wouldn't be surprised to see some good numbers there, but in general, retail sales, retail-based companies, um, going to have tough you know, start to the year, I think. And a secondary angle to that too, audiences, I want you to keep in mind that there's also the luxury angle there. Lug Nike isn't like an Hermes or anything, but they definitely uh, appeal to a more upscale audience. Same deal with Lululemon. And so what you find is even during a recession, even during inflationary periods, even when prices go up, uh, if you have a strong luxury brand, if your brand signals that you know you are um, uh, in the cool group, so to speak, you are going to always perform really well. So stocks like Nike, Lululemon, um, any luxury brand will do, you know, particularly particularly well, uh, especially during these kinds of times. So please keep that in mind. And so keep an eye out as you sort of eye retail stocks during your due diligence. Um, if you're finding that, if you're finding somebody with more of a luxury edge, you know, you're going to have sort of lower and slower growth, whereas people who appeal to a more broad audience may see a lot of volatility right now, especially as we see, you know, that that pair back. But if you're, you know, investing in a company that sells to the upper class, you're probably going to be doing all right. Um, and as we get as we get through that, as we begin to, as we begin to understand, you know, various aspects of our inflationary cycle too, Justin, I guess, um, 
you know, we have other major questions as well, like, oh, are, are there any, you know, decent investments right now? Anything to think about? And um, audience, if you're looking, uh, one thing, one question I'm getting a lot right now, one little piece of news happening right now is that uh, finally the Russian stock market has opened back up and day traders are just descending on it. And so our audience is, has been DMing me all day saying, hey, um, is this a good idea? Audience, I just want to point out that there is going to be a, a catastrophic transfer of wealth out of Russia, but it's not going to be because Western investors bought today. It's going to be because really big American institutions bought up extraordinarily cheap Russian bonds during the period in which the stock market was closed. So uh, do not buy the Russian dip uh, that's a bad idea. We have no idea what's going to happen in terms of how this uh, situation in Eastern Europe plays out. And uh, I don't know how cool you feel about being a war profiteer, but that's probably not something I would recommend. So uh, just to address that real fast, Justin, anything else in terms of thinking about the Russian stock exchange? Or is it pretty much just, yeah, don't buy that dip. I would avoid that one, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think that last piece is good advice. I mean, people come to us all the time and they're like, oh, like, why aren't you trading? Why are you doing this? And we say the same thing all the time. And 99% of the time, people come back to us and say, shit, like we realize what you're saying is right. Day trading consistently over time is fucking impossible. Um, I mean, people can do it. But if you want to seriously make money in it, it, it's really challenging unless you're doing something like very esoteric, esoteric and very illiquid. Um, it's really tough. Um, any strategy... Uh, for that to scale is also really tough unless you're a very professional institutional investor who has access to tools and technology and data that most people don't have. So long story short, trying to trade in general is tough. Trying to trade as volatile of a situation as Russia is even tougher, especially when it's like led so much by geopolitics, what Putin wants to do on a day-to-day -day basis, how the US, Biden, and everyone else is reacting. It's, I mean, listen, is there money to be made? Yes. Um, but the amount of risk you are going to be taking for that upside is so like, asymmetric. It's it's just not worth it. It's like, yeah, you can make you know 100%, 200%, but you're taking 10x that in risk versus you can find investments that maybe don't do as well, but you're taking like from a risk reward perspective, significantly more reward for rest risk. So like that's how you really need to think about investing. Is this risk worth it? If I jump off this cliff, am I going to die? It's like you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be such a high risk to get a reward. You need you need to start thinking about the rewards that you can take for the least amount of risk possible. That's that's the golden ticket for investors. And that's the engine that powers the stock market too, audience. And that's why we are such a we are so resolute in our long term low and slow is the way to go perspective. Because the way you significantly reduce your risk over time is actually by staying in the market as long as possible. Because while some stocks are weaker or stronger or whatever, over time companies have the opportunity to correct, make better hires, change their strategy get it so their stock goes up. And that's why the graph usually always goes up and to the right. Yes, some investments will you know, perform not as well as others, but that's the game. If you stay in the market long enough, you're going to have a much, much higher chance of winning. So please keep that in mind and understand like we love, you know, thinking about the meme plays. Um, we're excited that meme stock gang over at GameStop is starting to make some interesting things happen again. Um, me and my GameStop position are, you know, having a decent enough time. Same with my AMC position, but that was more, I, I, that's my meme money. Like it's not real money, right? Um, 
Um, so it's exciting to see those things, and it's cool to like use those moments to better understand these new mechanics as we get into a gradually more and more democratized market as we see the, sort of the weight that retail investors have. But it's not one of those things that you want to play in terms of, in terms of a day trader. Read Wall Street Bets because it's fun. Don't participate in Wall Street Bets because you will get burned a lot of the time. But as we sort of roll through that, Justin, as we begin, you know, thinking about other, uh, different kinds of plays, I guess, audience, another, more questions come from, like, what are some other good long-term plays that are coming out? So, Justin, um, I guess I'm just going to kind of take this real fast. Uh, one one bit I'm really excited about is actually Shopify. Um, retail itself is, you know, in a goofy place right now, but people servicing retail uh, couldn't be in a better spot, especially places like Shopify. Shopify is about to um, finish a process by which in 2022, where their fulfillment network will be able to touch 90% of uh, the U.S. and Canadian population with uh, free two-day shipping, which is going to finally allow niche e-commerce to not have significant costs in terms of going up against Amazon in terms of like the consumer expectations, which I guess is props to Amazon to they got to that point in 2017 and it's taking the rest of e-commerce uh, five years, Jesus, uh, to get there as well. And so as you think about that, as you think about things right now, remember, you're not trying to invest in the players so much because they're going to get hammered in this space. You're trying to invest in the people who are uh, selling the picks and the shovels. So Justin, as you kind of look into that, are there any other sort of like long-term plays you're looking into that, you know, uh, are b responding to these market forces really well? Is this just one of those things where like, I'm just going to invest in uh, energy and commodity stocks for a while and just kind of watch that? Or how do I think about that as commodity prices go up and up and up? Are there any, or is it just commodities or are there any other long-term plays I can be thinking about as I sort of just try to like make sense of all this volatility? Yeah, no, it's a good question. Um, I mean, especially like you, I think about everything in terms of like being in different regimes. So like the regime of a falling market, the regime of a stable market, the, re the regime of a volatile market, I mean, so on and so forth. And so we think about what's going to do really well over the short, medium and long term. Um, last year, financials did really well um, with the expectation that rates would start rising. Um, they took longer than expected, and that's why we kind of saw the dip at the beginning of this year as things were priced in but didn't get the tailwinds they necessarily thought. There was a pullback, um, and now rates are starting to rise, and they look like they're going to rise pretty substantially, especially to have to catch up with inflation, what we see at the 10- and 30-year rate, some of the predictions we're seeing. So long story short, rates rise, financials do well. That's that's the equation. The sun comes up in the morning, it gets hot. It's it's the same thing. Um, maybe not a one to one correlation in that sense, um, but it's pretty damn close. So that's something in the shorter term we're definitely looking at. Um, when you look back even further, yes, last year was a good year for financials. Um, they actually outperformed tech. It outperformed a ton of sectors that people just don't want to admit. Uh, even crypto, for for that matter, to a certain extent. Um, but financials over a 10-year period have still really underperformed. So I think there's a lot of upside still in financials. Um, from a growth perspective, a lot of tech stocks last week um, looked like they were undervalued. Um, they were getting hit substantially. Um, they were back to their historical averages in terms of where they were trading from a valuation perspective. Um, so they, they looked underpriced. This week, they had a massive rally. So there's a, there's a chance that they sell off again. but when we look at a lot of these tech names, even with multiple compression uh, going on in the industry, over the next five, 10 year period, which is what we, how we like to invest, there's still plenty of names that are sold off like crazy. DraftKings is down 75%. I mean, there, there's tons of stocks that we talk about on our website all the time. 
um, that are just getting hammered in terms of valuation. Zoom's another one. Um, they have massive audiences. They're monetizing them. They're growing. Just because their price isn't doing well doesn't mean the company's not doing well. Um, so there are opportunities out there in tech. There's opportunities out there um, in financials. I think energy is going to be a little bit tough given oil's you know at 10-year highs. Inflation is peaking while, while rates are rising. Um, I think energy for us is a, a little bit of a holdoff at this point. Um, it's tough to go through every single sector right now, especially the subsectors within the sectors. Um, but we just need to be aware. So like real estate's another example. Um, this is a really tricky one. Um, right now, rates are rising, which means the cost of getting a loan is higher, which means the ability to afford any sort of real estate is, is harder. So in theory, prices to drop. But home builders, especially, and this is not commercial, but residential, home builders artificially cap the supply. So demand is so high that even with, you know, rising uh, costs from a lending perspective, it kind of outweighs how much supply there is. So it can continue running. Um, the real estate is going to be a tough sector. Um, from a residential perspective, from data houses and warehouses, those are doing well. I mean, malls are obviously doing terrible. So there's a thousand sectors. I can't go through all of them. Um, but I would say at a high level, I see some opportunities in technology. There are definitely some opportunities in healthcare, definitely some opportunities in financials. Real estate depends on the subsector. Energy from a, a high level, definitely, I think, staying away. Um, yeah, I think those are, are some of the early opportunities. There's, there's a ton, but like I said, it's, it's hard to go through them all. Exactly. In a lot of ways, you might have to think about this from an individualized perspective too, audience. And sometimes you have to find people who are going to be the winners in a particular sector because there's always going to be people diversifying and kind of moving money around in different sectors to make sure things work. And so to give you a little bit more inside baseball audience, I haven't actually told Justin this, but Justin, one thing I'm going to be doing um, over the next two days is actually pitching you on my next research piece, which is actually for me going to be on Wendy's. Um, and audience, you'll know if like my research is sound, if we ever actually publish a report on Wendy's. And if I don't, that's how you know it's a tacit non-endorsement. Um, there's a lot of really interesting factors about Wendy's that kind of make it better than every other kind of fast food play right now, every sort of like large food provider in an environment where food inflation is going to be rising as wheat, as you know, we've lost access to 15% of the world's wheat um, and a um, bunch of other things are going to happen across this year. So if I, uh, if I stick the landing on that, you'll find out. But keep that in mind too, audience. The market is made out of sentiment and sometimes that sentiment is within sectors as well. And I I guess, you know, as we begin rounding this out, let's kind of review some thoughts we had from last week as well. Um, when we think about all of the various ways sentiment plays into the market, last week China announced that they're kind of just chill with Chinese tech companies being on tech exchanges would cause uh, stocks like Baba, JD, Tencent to rise as much as 20 to 33%. That has significantly cooled off. Tencent's down 5% today. Alibaba is still maintaining um, its, uh, its, its bull run now, which is solid. JD's not doing so hot because of some supply chain issues so we'll kind of see but justin as you kind of look at that is um is sort of the the hype over that over is this the market cooling down or do you think it can cool down further as the market's like okay it's cool let's just get the or are these companies still going to like return strongly to value you think and sorry you mean you said jd and baba do you mean specifically for chinese stocks chinese stocks in general yeah yeah no good question um i guess the only thing i want to just say before that is you mentioned it briefly about sentiment about like stocks being driven by sentiment whether it's consumer sentiment or analyst sentiment um, I try not and talk about our website and our product too much because I, I just want to use this, whether it's live or recorded podcast, um, for you guys to get information. This isn't here for us to pitch the product, try and grow our business. We're trying to just create good content that you guys can rally behind. 
Um, but on our site, we are rolling out something soon. Um, so for stocks, we don't cover what consumer sentiment is for each stock, what analyst sentiment is for each stock. So if you go into the site and you search for, you know, Nike, for example, I mean, we do cover it, but if we didn't cover it, you go there and get some like really proprietary tools that you can't get elsewhere. So at least you can see what we think based on the technology that we've built that you can use. Um, so I just want to throw that in there because you're talking about sentiment. It's super important. Um, that's the reason I brought it up. And uh, it's, it's definitely something we need to watch, especially as retail investors continuously grow in terms of how much um, participation and influence they have in the market. But back to your question on the, the whole China thing. So, yeah, I mean, you, you bring up a good point. Um, we've been talking about China since last year. Specifically, you've been hounding me about it. Uh, with Alibaba, we made that video about it. I mean, this is a, a part of the industry that has just been sold off so heavily. And so, yes, has Alibaba and JD and Tencent and Neo and a bunch of these stocks rallied like crazy over the last five to 10 days? 100%. They, Alibaba, for example, is at $76 and went up to, I think it was $115 at its, uh, at its higher, roughly. I mean, that's like a 50% spike. That's huge. But when you zoom back even further, the stock is still down 50% in the last year. Um, and it's down even further when you look back to an 18-month period. So yes, there was a, a big blip due to the fact that the Chinese government said they're going to come out and start supporting these companies and not continuously get in their way. Um, but there's still massive upside for them. I mean, these companies are growing like crazy in one of the fastest growing economies in the world. This is not a short-term spike. There's going to be a ton of volatility, don't get me wrong, but these are, are multi-year plays. So long story short, for the Chinese stocks that we recommended, we continue to love them even with a rally up this week. Yeah, because there is there is so much more in terms of that rally to come too, at least from our perspective. Like if you if you look at where it is right now, like Alibaba is actually down 40, 48% in the last year, um, which and even a year ago, it was undervalued. And so there's a lot more room to come back to value and then get back to growth. Of course, you're going to see some negative sentiment as, um, as regulations hit a couple of these companies within China, you're going to see some layoffs, which is going to drive down the stock price. But it's one of those things too, where as you roll through that audience, it's one of those things where like, big multi-year holds, um, definitely invest in growing economies. Um, and I'm just excited to see where that rolls out from there. We are getting kind of close to the end here, though. And so audience, what I've really appreciated is all of your DMs, all of your messages, all of um, your questions um, that you've had. Uh, if you're listening to the more recorded version of this podcast audience, I highly encourage you to A, join our Discord. Um, you'll find a link to that in the description of whatever recording you're there. If you're here in Discord, just DM me at MobyStar, and I'll always be able to sort of like reflect uh, whatever questions you're asking us. I want to make sure that I craft these conversations around your needs, our brilliant and probably beautiful audience. But as we get to literally the last 60 seconds here, Justin Kramer, CEO, co-founder here at Moby.co, any other thoughts as we kind of like begin to parse what's happening in the market right now? Again, real big grab bag episode. There's a lot of noise, not a lot of signal. Anything else you want us to be thinking about as we look to the week ahead? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good question. I think we covered a lot here today, but, uh, next week there's, there's definitely a lot going on. There's seemingly a lot going on every single week. So we're looking at earnings, uh, speaking of Chinese companies, Neo, not Neo, sorry. Um, Xpeng is reporting next week. We'll get some good information on them, see how they're doing. Um, there is, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, on the economic calendar, um, there is going to be, uh, what is it I'm blanking on right now? Um, there's going to be jobless claims. We'll get an update on some inflation numbers. We'll get uh, unemployment rate numbers. Um, I mean, it sounds like so boring <laughs> saying it out loud for some people, but 
during right now, like the economics is driving so much. So like any reversal and some sort of change there and like the market completely can react. So we really need to start looking at this. Consumer confidence is being um, released next week. This seems to be a theme right now, but we need to look how the economy is reacting because it's ultimately going to be a large portion of how the Fed reacts and then how the Fed reacts is how the markets will react. Um, so we need to look at individual earnings, see how companies are doing, of course, but the economics are, are more important than ever right now. Inflation, interest rates, geopolitical climate, um, it's really influencing the market more than it has in a while. So let's make sure we pay attention to that. As always, we give you updates every single week when we can, um, but obviously we, we can't be there. 365 days, 24 hours a day for you. Um, so these are the things in your free time, you want to learn, you want to educate yourself, start looking at this stuff. It's uh, it's very important to, to be able to become better investors. Exactly. And audience, as you do that, as you do your own due diligence, that we want to be a resource for you as well. So as you find things that start making a little less sense to you, there's no reason not to come to our Discord and just ask questions. We will gladly, you know, throw things to our anal analysis team to make sure we do, you know, bigger due diligence. Our job, you know, for you is to be a service to you. So keep that in mind as you roll through, as you think about your due diligence. Don't just go buy our picks blindly. Challenge us as much as you can um, and find, uh, find things that you are concerned about that you think might have some interesting... Uh, weight to it and some interesting moments I and mean, we'll gladly you know you know add to your due diligence so to speak um, but audience what I've really appreciated is your time and your perspective here um, Justin you did mention Neo those, that earnings call is happening in two minutes audience just to give you a sense of when this podcast is recorded you can you know do the math there if you feel like it if you're listening to a recorded version of this either way audience we're excited to see how the market keeps responding but remember it's going to keep responding in lots of different directions as each individual sector gets hit by 2022 as much as possible as always we you know uh uh send our hearts are out for the people of Ukraine and Eastern Europe as uh, this tragedy keeps unfolding, but we are encouraged to see, you know, lots of encouraging signs that potentially this might not turn into a stalemate and this might end sooner rather than later. We're really hopeful for that and seeing how the market responds to that. As always, though, audience, like, I really appreciate your time. It's been a really awesome conversation and now I'm just going to go ahead and read the credits as we've already gone over time. So just so you know, audience, this podcast was produced, hosted, and voiced by me, Peter Starr. All of the intellectual source of this show comes from our CEO and co-founder and chief analyst, Justin Craig. If you like our research and want to hear more from our podcasts, A, check us out over at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or here on Discord. You can also find us over at YouTube at YouTube slash C slash MobiInvest. Our principal way to get in touch with people too is via email. So go to Moby.co slash get started and just give us your email address. And we will gladly, you know, start getting you the information you need to better understand the market around you. Otherwise, audience, plenty of things, uh, no, there's plenty of links for you. That's, that's quite enough. But I really appreciate your time, audience. And as always, I like to leave you with peace love, and incremental gains. Everyone be well. Thank you so much.